In the Gospel it says, At that time Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Immediately after our Lord's baptism in the Jordan, he went into the desert for the purpose of fasting and praying. And at the end, of course, he had to contend with the devil himself. Now, the devil had heard the Father's voice at the baptism of Christ, saying, Thou art my well-beloved Son. Yet, when Satan looked at Christ, he saw him as an ordinary man. And so he was in doubt as to whether Christ was the Son of God by nature or a Son of God by adoption. That is, whether he was the Messiah or not. And it was for that purpose that he came to tempt Christ in the desert that day to find out if he were truly God so that he could then pour out upon him all of his envy and all of his fury. The devil on that occasion did not appear as, it, as he does in so many pictures with the dragon wings and the fanged teeth. He appeared rather as a devout man and concealed all of his temptations under the guise of charity, as if he wished to help Christ in his hunger. One author says this, that the temptations offered to Christ were not abrupt. They were not without preface. Satan first greeted our Lord kindly, and then this saint goes on to, this author goes on to say, and then Satan would have said something like this, What are you doing here all alone? I saw you baptized of late in the Jordan, and I heard a voice come down from heaven saying, This is my son. So I am most eager to know if you are truly the Son of God. Now I see that you're hungry, and you've spent yourself after your 40 days of fasting. So if you are the Son of God, convert these stones into bread, because this would relieve your hunger and would be most easy for you. The devil often does disguise his temptations, trying to appear reasonable and putting them under the guise of charity or some other virtue. But then it says, after our Lord dismissed him not once or twice but three times, the angels came and ministered unto him. Now you and I would like to have the angels always ministering to us, giving us consolation and constant peace. But it is not to be so. This life is a warfare. And so also, every man that has walked the face of this earth has been tempted and will be tempted again and again and again. The reality of temptation, though, should never discourage us, 
nor leave us feeling hopeless. Christ was tempted that the Christian might not be overcome by the tempter. St. Ambrose wrote these very encouraging words. When you are tempted, recognize that a crown is being prepared for you. Take away the, the contests of the martyrs, and you take away their crowns. Take away their torments, and you take away their beatitudes. Now, many have said that our Lenten saint, St. Francis de Sales, was so gentle and so meek of heart that even to look upon his calm, beaming countenance brought about conversions. There is a story that went thus. One man tried to kill St. Francis de Sales, and St. Francis approached him. Imagine that. And he said to the would-be murderer, I am told that you wish to do me harm. I can promise you, though, that even if you had put out one of my eyes, I would still look kindly upon you with the other. Such an answer is not within this, the nature of man to give. The virtue of meekness that our saint possessed was not attained without a great struggle, without many a temptation, because by nature he was prone to anger. He had a quick, very quick temper, and only after years of constant battle against his anger did he attain the opposite virtue, meekness. Once, when he was insulted very gravely by a knight of Malta for not giving a benefice to one of his servants, St. Francis' brother asked him how afterwards he managed to keep his cool, not to lose his temper towards that night. And St. Francis admitted, listen to these words from a saint, at that time I was seething with anger like water in a pot boiling over the fire. But by the grace of God, even if the violent efforts to resist such passion endangered my very life, I would not have given in to anger. And a priest, asking him about that same incident, asked him if it made him angry at all, being insulted. And St. Francis said, I used diversion, diversionary tactics. You see, I set my mind to thinking about the good qualities of this person whose friendship I favored with so much gentleness. And I hope that when this man's bad humor passes and this man misunderstanding dissipates, that the day will come when he will look upon me with serenity. On another occasion, when others thought St. Francis should have reprimanded rather strongly a young man who seriously insulted his own mother, he responded with these words, What did you want me to do in the matter? I did what I could to arm myself with a just anger 
which is, that was not sinful. I took my heart in my two hands, but I did not have the courage to dress him down. To tell you the truth, I was afraid of losing in a quarter of an hour this little bit of gentleness which I have attempted to gather for 22 years, drop by drop, like dew in the vessel of my puny heart. And yet, on another occasion, when he was asked his advice on how to respond to a slanderous letter, he responded with very excellent advice. These people wrote a letter which they showed here and there secretly. It appears that they will to do all they can to disparage the small favors that they see coming our way. But you mustn't worry. But answer only by doing good to those who slander you. It is a better way of annoying them than to fight back. And finally, concerning St. Francis, he fought the temptation to anger his whole life. And he fought with such effort and constancy that this appeared visibly at his death. When they opened up his body, some stones were found in his gallbladder. And the doctors explained that these stones resulted from the very vehement efforts that he made to control his temper. How vehemently do you oppose temptation? We all have them. Some of us are prone to anger, others to jealousy, still others to laziness and pride, lust, worry, sadness, intemperance, impatience, and the list goes on and on and on. We all have and will continue to have our temptations, but how do you oppose them? St. Francis gives, he was a spiritual director, a very wise man who always gave advice that was simple, practical, easy to follow, easy to understand. And he gave general remedies for temptation. Four points. He says, as soon as you feel yourself tempted, do as little children when they see a wolf or a bear in the mountains. Remember, he was living in the, the Alps. He said, the children run to the protection of their father or mother, where at very least they cry out for help. And so you fly in like manner to God, using the maxim, pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And secondly, if the temptation persists, he said, do not ever dispute with the tempter. Instead, hasten in spirit to embrace the Holy Cross as though you saw Jesus Christ crucified actually present and make a firm but always calm protest against consent and ask our Lord's help. And as you're making these acts, he continues, do not ever fix your eyes on the temptation. 
or its strength, but look solely upon our Lord and say in those words of our Lord in today's gospel, Be gone, Satan. The Lord God shalt thou adore, and him only shalt thou serve. Thirdly, he offers what he practiced, diversion tactics. When the temptations persist, divert your mind with any right and healthy occupation, for if that thing fills your thoughts, it will drive away the temptations and evil imaginations. And finally, concerning little temptations, which we have every day, he says the best way of resisting is not to allow ourselves to be worried about them, for they cannot hurt us, he said, provided we are firmly resolved to serve God. Let me end this sermon with these words. Take courage. We will face trials and temptations. Though we should all do our best to avoid temptation, when it does come, recall what St. Francis says so encouragingly. Never shall we possess perfect meekness and charity unless we are exercised in repugnances, aversions, and disgusts. True peace does not consist in never fighting, but is found only after victory. The vanquished and the conquered no longer fight, yet they do not enjoy true peace. We obtain no reward without victory, no victory without war. When thou art tempted, recognize that a crown is being prepared for thee. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.